The first legs of the 23-24 Champions Hockey League quarterfinal certainly delivered, with lots of drama and plenty to play for in the return legs next Tuesday. In the second pod of the week, we'll review all of those games, the latest Swedish Hockey League action, and all the news from around the NHL from the past few days. Welcome to the Hockey with Ice podcast. Yes, hello. Welcome back to the Hockey with Ice pod. I hope you're doing well. My name is Matt. I'm recording this in the UK evening of Thursday, December 7th. Closer and closer and closer and closer to Christmas, isn't it? But I have been in a hockey wonderland this week so far. I hope you've been enjoying lots of hockey too, because there has been plenty out there to enjoy. So what was I doing Tuesday evening? I was watching the Champions Hockey League quarterfinals, three of them, which we'll come to. Wednesday evening, I watched the other Champions Hockey League quarterfinal, which was really good, a real thriller. I'll be talking about that in a moment. And then I gone up early this morning, Thursday morning here in the UK at, what was it, just gone six o'clock in the morning so that I could watch back my Edmonton Oilers playing overnight for the first time in six days, I think it was. There's a big gap the Oilers have had taking on the Carolina Hurricanes who duffed us up just a couple of weeks ago. And oh, it was fantastic for an Oilers point of view. Ryan McLeod scoring 28 seconds into it and Matthias Ekholm scoring 13 seconds later. Just went on from there. Sack Hyman with a hat-trick. The Oilers won 6-1. Five wins in a row from the Edmonton Oilers. And watching that back is the perfect way to start a day. Up early, mug of coffee, having some breakfast, watching the Oilers win. Then it's a long day of work. Not so good, working from home today, but even once I've done all of that, then this evening I've been able to enjoy the Swedish Hockey League action, not least the top of the table clash between Fekwa Lakers and Foriestod. Again, I'll come on to all of that in a moment, but let's kick off everything and all of the drama at the quarterfinals from the Champions Hockey League first leg. Wow, there were big expectations for the Champions Hockey League. First leg of the quarterfinals, and boy, did they deliver. Fantastic stuff. Lots to get through, even though there are only four games, of course. Still lots of action covered in those four games. And we have to start with the big shock coming on Tuesday night in Geneva. The Swiss champions, GNF Savet, tucked up the Swedish champions, Fekwa Lakers, 4-1. I will own up to it. If you listen to my podcast where I previewed the action on Sunday afternoon, UK time, I did say this was the tile that was most likely to be lopsided. But that was on a basis that Fekwa would uh, potentially be a step too far for Genef Savet. Well, wasn't I proved wrong? 
Incredible game. Genef came out, really energised, home crowd behind them, just as you'd expect them to be. Fick would just look sluggish for some reason. I'm not sure why. They got off to an incredible start, scoring twice in the first five minutes for Javette. Uh, Faltry Filpula got the first goal after three minutes 17. Then defenseman Rim Burney was given all the space and time in the world by Fekwa to walk in and shoot past uh, Adam Orman to make it two to nothing. Now, it did look like Fekwa might escape what was a pretty poor first period for them, only two goals down. But Tanner Richard then put pay to that just over a minute before the end of the period. That's his 12 points in nine Champions Hockey League games so far this season, the most of any player in the Champions Hockey League this year. Fekwa did push back a little bit in the second, but they still didn't create too many good chances, to be honest. And that was really costly when Jeff Zavet then capitalised on uh, Robert Rosian's second penalty of the game to take a 4 to nothing lead. Vincent Prapland scoring a power play goal there. Now, coming into it, they're 4-0 down. You know Fekwa are going to come back hard in the third period. I mean, they sort of did. But not quite as you would have expected. It was a really strange performance from the Swedish champs. They weren't all guns blazing, as you might have thought. Just never really clicked for them. They just never really got into their groove. They did, however, manage to grab a glimmer of hope. Two minutes remaining in this one. Tobias Reader pounced on a beautiful reverse pass from behind the net by Manuel Orgren to make it 4-1. to one. So, fantastic result for Genève Savet to win 4-1 at home. Fekwa will now take it back to their place next Tuesday. It's a hole they've dug themselves in, but that one goal at the end, it's now a three-goal deficit. They're starting to come back. How big will that goal be? Well, we will find out next Tuesday, but it definitely gives Fekwa a chance. And Genève Savet will know all too well going to Fekwa this tie is not done and dusted by no stretch of the imagination. So, bad news for the Swedish team in that one. The next tie, well, it was an all-Swedish affair, so a Swedish team was going to come out of it okay. And there were late goals in this one as well. It was Hrolefce against Forjestad in Hrolefce. Forjestad had what looked like a commanding 4-1 lead in this one, but then Linus Lindström and Axel sandin Pelika the uh, Detroit first round pick earlier this year. They added two goals in just over two minutes late on, which has brought Hwalefje right back into the tie. So it was 4-3 for Riestad. Uh, Victor Edsel continued his amazing form. We spoke about him on a podcast last time out. Got two goals in this game. The first one, first goal of the game on a penalty shot. Boy, oh boy, was that a sweet move. You have to look that one up on YouTube on the highlights. Dinks one way and then the other, then another. Diving through the air as he flicked it home. Incredible stuff from him. So that gave Forrestad a one to nothing lead. But then 18-year-old Seattle prospect uh, Seb Forsfield equalised for Halefter to make it 1-1 at the end of the first period. Now things turned Forrestad's way in the second period. Black man again, Victor Edsel. He intercepted a somewhat sloppy pass and pulled off another nice move to beat Linus Söderström in a Halefter net. That was followed by Joel Huelman. His goal just after a power play had expired. He was left all alone at the back post. So that gave Forrestad a 3-1 lead. And when Liam Ogren, the 19th overall pick last year by the Minnesota Wild, he gave Forrestad a 4-1 lead on 50 minutes. It looks like 
the time may already be over after the first leg, but those two late goals from Hrosce have really got them back in it. You would still fancy Foriastod going back home in Karlstad with a one goal lead to protect. You would still expect them to go through, but Hrosce, they have given themselves a chance. That is for sure. So only one goal in between those two teams, and it was the same between Rappersville, Yona Lakers, and Vitkovic of Radira after their first leg. It ended up 2-1 in favour of Rappersville, the home Swiss team. Now the visitors got off to the best possible start in this one, taking the lead after just 67 seconds. Uh, it was Marcel Brinker who scored that goal. He was added to the team in mid-November from Isolone Roosters of the Penny DEL. So really proven his worth. They had scored twice in Vitkovic's extra league win, 6-2 win over Litvinov on the previous Sunday. So three goals in two games for him. Rappersville then equalised 13 minutes in through the defenceman Nathan Voradu and then took a 2-1 lead after 16 minutes when Swede Victor Rask scored on the power play. That's where the scoring ended in this one. There were chances in the remaining two periods, but as the game came into the latter stages, it felt like a classic football or soccer Champions Hockey League two-legged affair where you get to the end of the first leg and whilst both teams would like to get the extra goal, they weren't prepared to risk too much to try and get it. Rappersville had a 2-1 lead. That's a good home win. They've set themselves up nicely for the road game. Vitkovic, yes, they're losing the first game, but they're still nice and close. So neither of them really took big risks to try and get the extra goal. It ended 2-1. It was all a bit cagey at the end. We'll see how that plays out when they go off to the second leg next Tuesday. Vitkovic are definitely... I don't know, who would you put as favourite on that one? Rappersville are 2-1 up, Vitkovic are going back home. Feels like a coin toss to me. However, 2-1 in that game. We then come to the game that took place on Wednesday. Wow. Three goals in that of a tie. This was a 10-goal classic between Dinamo Padabitsa and Luko Rama. They put on an absolute show for us in that one. You would think... Going on the road and winning 6-4 would be fantastic for Luko Rauma. And certainly it is far from a bad result for them. They've won by two goals. They take that back to Rauma next Tuesday. However, they led 4-0 in this one. Um, they led off, in fact, 4-0 and they took a 4-0 lead, scored twice in the first three minutes through defenseman Nicholas Almari and Tuka Texela on a power play goal. Kim Niemann and Gabriel Fontaine each added goals too, so that was 4-0 after 16 minutes. Dinamo Panabitsa needed something special to get back in it and boy, did they do that. They took advantage of the... Um, of the new Champions Hockey League power play rules that they've brought in this year, the experimental rules, as they call them. They scored twice on the same power play. So Lucas Radil and Jan Kostelek both scored. So if you score on a power play in the Champions Hockey League, that isn't the end of it. You then get to carry on for the rest of the power play. So later advantage of that, two goals on the power play. Now it was Raumer's Pomphus Vesterheim who conceded that penalty on a tripping call, so he would have been very relieved to get on a score sheet. That made it 5-2 to Luka Rama. Stayed just like that until six minutes to go. The dangerous, always dangerous Luka Rama top line got in on the axe, 
Braden Burke scoring on Captain Udius Martelis' assist, and that made it 6-2. So they started off with a four-goal lead, conceded a couple, then got back to 6-2. But what you thought was a killer, t- killer goal, I thought it was a killer goal watching it there, 6-2. That's that done and dusted, bananas and custard. But Pardubica had other ideas. They scored twice in two minutes through Jan Mandart and Robert Kusel to reduce the deficit to 6-4. So a crazy game. Very, very entertaining. Lots of action. Lots of frills and spills. The home crowd absolutely loved it. And Luko Rama, again, they've got a two-goal lead at the end of the first leg away from home. So they'll be happy enough with that. But You've got to think there's a little bit in the back of the heads where you take a four-goal lead twice in this one and you let things slip a bit. This this tie should have been over, over and done with, right? So there is going to be that little bit of doubt in their minds. Part of it will go to Raumer with a chance to do something special. And you would still back the Finnish team at home to come through, but you never know. And that is what we love about the European Champions Hockey League. So four excellent games so far. And the four teams come back next Tuesday, Tuesday 12th, to wrap up the quarterfinal stage. We will be previewing those games on the Monday podcast. So look out for that one. I mentioned earlier on that today, Thursday evening UK time, the Swedish Hockey League was back in action. So we'll have a quick catch up on that because, of course, some of those Swedish teams in Champions Hockey League action had to get right back at it two days later. Nowhere more important to start than the game in Fekwes between Fekwe Lakers and Forestard, second against first. There is now one point between those two teams because Fekwe won it. 4-2. 4-2. Brilliant game, this one. David Tomasek gave Forrestad the lead early on. Fekwe came all the way back. David Tomasek got another one for Forrestad, but they were not able to come all the way to recover from that. So Fekwe win it 4-2 and now are one point behind Forrestad at the top of the table. Elsewhere, Link Chopin are up to third following a 2-1 win in Malmo. Anthony Greco is following up his two goals in the previous game with the opener for Link Chopin in this one. Whilst Fraulander move up to fourth with a 2-1 win over Lexens. They trailed 1-0 until the 50th minute when Max Lindroff equalised. And then there was a late drama with Jaden Holbgerwox uh, scoring his first goal for the club in the final minute of his third game with the team. He played a few games for the San Jose Sharks in the past, played for Vecqua in the SHL last season, but he has joined joined the team recently and did the job for Frauland getting the goal in dramatic style. We should also pick up at the other end of the table. Give some credit to Oscar Schum. They broke their 10-game losing streak finally with something of a surprise, a 5-1 win over Erebrew. So well done to them. That is where we are with the Swedish Hockey League. Let's move along and have a little look at all the action in recent days from the NHL.
plenty of hockey enjoyed in recent days. We can carry on the trend tonight because it's going to be an exciting one, but also a slightly weird one, isn't it? Patrick Kane is due to make his debut for the Detroit Red Wings tonight at Little Caesars Arena. So you may be listening to this after that has happened. So hopefully it went well for him. The Detroit Tigers, they've taken on the San Jose Sharks tonight. Um, Of course, ended our season with the New York Rangers. Had hip, what was it? Hip resurfacing surgery, which sounds a bit bit drastic, doesn't it? So he had that surgery, has been out since, I think it happened on the 1st of June, the surgery. So he's been out for a while, just gradually building himself up. Signed a one-year $2.75 million contract with the Red Wings at the end of November. And he is now ready to join the team. So what a, what a weird thing that will be to see the Chicago Blackhawks legend playing for the Detroit Red Wings. It was weird enough seeing him playing for New York Rangers, of course, at the end of our season, but even more so now playing for Detroit. But, you know, coming into the season, you might have thought, well, why would he go to Detroit? Sure, they've got plenty of cap space so they can afford him. But is that really the sort of opportunity he would be looking for if he's coming back to try and win something well? Let's be honest, Detroit have been one of the surprise teams of the season so far. In the NHL, they've won six of their last seven games. They're third in the Atlantic Division. So Leia going along quite nicely. He'll be able to link up with Alex Dabrinka. I know we spoke about that a bit in the last podcast. So Patrick Kane making his debut tonight, as I record this, maybe tomorrow, but or yesterday, in fact, get myself mixed up with the times. Maybe yesterday by the time you listen to this podcast. So we'll see how he goes there with his new team. We do have to cover the always somewhat depressing part of the game, which is injuries. And unfortunately, we're back on the hip the hip parade. Is that a good thing to say? I'm not sure, but I've said it and I'm leaving it in. Patrick Kane coming back from his hip surgery, but unfortunately John Klingberg or John Klingby, as he would be known in Sweden, is out for the remainder of the NHL season uh, because of a hip injury. He's going to undergo surgery fairly soon, projected recovery time of between five to six months. And that is him done. Unfortunately, joined the Toronto Maple Leafs course this season hadn't been playing for a good three weeks or so because of the hip injury they've finally got to the point where they've just got to accept that he's going to need to have surgery real real shame for him to miss the rest of this season it hadn't been going too well for him because of the injury I'm sure so he is out Frownlander product of course from Sweden also played for Hlefja um Back in 2012-13, I think it was, so 10 years ago. It signed a one-year $4.15 million contract with Toronto for this season. But yes, he will be trying to get himself back, raring to go to sign on, probably for another one-year contract next summer with another team in the NHL. So uh, best wishes to John to get back from his injury, uh, fully healthy and back raring to go next season. Another man who is out is Jacob Markstrom. He is out week to week with a fractured finger. So the Calgary Flames goaltender thankfully won't require surgery at least. 
but he is going to be out for a few weeks as that heals up. Calgary have recalled Dustin Wolf from their AHL affiliate to come up to replace him. Very good, very talented prospects. One of the better goalie prospects in the NHL is Dustin Wolf. So it's tough to say, but let's be honest, Markstrom had a difficult season last year and he's not started this year particularly well either, which is not what you would have thought coming out of what would have been 21-22 season when he was fantastic. So difficult for Markstrom. Nobody wants to be out injured, but, you know, maybe that's a mental reset for him as well as getting that finger right. And maybe he can come back all the stronger for it. Same might be said for a few more Buffalo Sabres. They really have, I don't know, it's just gone nowhere for them. There was so much hope and optimism coming into the season and it's not panning out for them. The latest moves, Alex Tuck and Jordan Greenway have been placed on the injured reserve list. Unfortunately, Tuck suffered an injury on Saturday against the Predators. So he is out of apparently a lower body injury. I don't think they've really announced too much about what it was. Um, but he is out for a little while. As is Greenway, he's got an upper body injury that he suffered on Friday, last Friday, against the Hurricanes. So... Not going very well. Sabres have, I think they've only won three of their last 10 games or something like that. They really are struggling to make an impression this year. And because of everything they've been through over, well, how many years do you want to go back? Let's be honest. There was so much hope after some good performances last year. Some prospects really taking a step forward. Tate Thompson more than anyone. Um, but this year would be the year that would start really making an impression and it has not worked out at all. Is Don Granato the head coach under pressure? Hmm, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, not going the way that the Buffalo Sabres hoped it might do. One person it is going well for, though, is Nino Niederreiter. And that brings us to the money part. Yes, Nino is a happy boy laughing all the way to the bank. He has signed a three-year contract extension with the Winnipeg Jets. Kicks in next season. It is a $4 million average annual value. And good news for him. He joined the Winnipeg Jets midway through last season from the Nashville Predators. And he's done a good job for them. You know, $4 million a year for an NHL player is a relatively modest amount as an experienced player. And it feels like a fair amount. He is um, a good, solid player. He will give you points. He works hard. Good player for the Winnipeg Jets to have. So four million a year, that seems a fair amount for him. Three-year commitment for the Jets is more than fine for them. So well done to Nino Niederreiter. Got a few quid in the bank there. And uh, yeah, drinks are on Nino. I believe no family had a better week this week so far than the Hughes family. Of course, it was what you might call the Hughes Bowl. I don't know if there ever is a better term for it. On Tuesday, when the three brothers were all on the ice at the same time, New Jersey Devils and Vancouver Canucks, of course, Jack Hughes and Luke Hughes playing for the Devils and Queen Hughes playing for the Canucks. Bragging rights... Went the way of the Devils. They beat Vancouver 6-5 at Rogers Arena. Uh, Jack Hughes did have a goal and two assists. Luke Hughes scored. And Quinn Hughes had two assists as well. So they all got in on the action. Uh, 
But unfortunately for the older brother, the elder brother of the three didn't quite go the way he wanted it. Um, so, yes. But just imagine that. I mean, it is quite incredible to have three brothers playing on the ice at the same time in the NHL. According to NHL.com, they are the second American family to have at least three brothers appear in the same NHL game, joining Neil, Paul and Aaron Broughton, who did it when the Minnesota North Stars played against the New York Rangers on February 4th, 1990 and March 10th, 1990. So there we go, a little bit of history making and a very special moment, I'm sure, for their parents. Just a couple of other bits of news to catch up on. First and foremost, there were various updates from the NHL on league business, I guess you would call it. The main one, perhaps, we for us to look at now is the Arizona Coyotes. Apparently, maybe making some progress in terms of getting a site for a new arena. Um, reports are that they expect to announce their chosen arena site by the end of the year or maybe early January. However, of course, we know this has been a stage they've gone past before. They had the proposed site that they wanted in Tempe, which failed the public referendum back in May. So we will see where this goes. Um, they are still threatening relocation, which is a horrible thing to threaten. We'll have to see what they do. Of course, Mullet Arena is a, an interesting arena for sure. It has its quirks, I guess, but it's not really an NHL facility, is it? And they're going to have to be there for a while, let's be honest. So, I don't know, maybe maybe another three, four years, perhaps, even if things go well with this new site. And the track record so far is not very good with Arizona, is it? Unfortunately for all the Coyotes fans out there. So, hopefully they can get something done. Hopefully it's not too big of a drag on taxpayer funds because we know how they like to... Professional sports franchises in North America like basically blackmailing uh, local communities for taxpayers' dollars. Hopefully it works out for the Coyotes. One linked thing to that, though, is there has been some increased talk about the um, Olympics that will take place in Milan, in Italy, in 2026. So, of course, all of the players are desperate to be able to go to the Olympics for the first time since 2014, I think it was, in Sochi. Um, the NHL clearly don't really like the idea of it and it feels like there's lots of stumbling blocks that always keep getting put in front of it primarily because they know how much the players want to go so so long as they make it difficult maybe the players will be prepared to give things up from a bargaining point of view to be able to go to the uh, Olympics that's my reading of the events anyway but there was um, a general update. Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, was speaking about that this past week, said that they, the NHL is concerned about the Olympic arena that is being built. Um, they say they're a bit worried that it may be pushing it to be ready in time. Seems a bit ridiculous. Again, look, they're, they're playing NHL games in Mullet Arena, so I don't think they've got much room to talk. Uh, there's other things they're worried about, like player insurance and all of that nonsense. There's no reason why that can't all be sorted out if they want it to. The issue is, of course, the NHL, the owners don't want it to happen. But we'll see where it goes. It's so great to see hockey in the Olympics. Uh, and that's not just a bias Great Britain point of view too. But yes, we all, all hockey fans want the hockey to be back 
in the Olympics for 2026. So hopefully they can find a way to make it work. And on that note, just the one final thing to mention, just a bit of housekeeping, a bit of international news. It has been announced this past week that the International Ice Hockey Federation are making neck guards mandatory for all levels of competition in the tournaments it runs. So that will include the Olympics, if they go there, world champs and things like that. Now, this already applies to under-18s and under-20s tournaments, but it's going to be extended to, if you like, senior tournaments too. Doesn't apply to things like professional leagues like the NHL, but of course, plenty of leagues are looking at doing that and bringing in net guards as being mandatory because of the tragic death of Adam Johnson here in the UK a month or so ago. So an interesting debate. I know there is plenty of talk and there are ongoing discussions in the NHL. There are lots of products coming on the market that are much more user-friendly, I guess you would say, much less obstructive and and more comfortable for people to wear, but still providing protection. So we may start seeing more players start to wear them as more of those things are approved. But as always, some people just don't want to have something new, something different, something that may put them off a little bit, feel a bit uncomfortable. But we all know how tragic, sadly, we all know how tragic the circumstances uh, can be and the consequences can be if something goes badly wrong. So a bit of a, a sad note to end on, let's be honest. But good news that the International Ice Hockey Federation are taking the matter seriously and doing the right thing, as far as I'm concerned, I would say, in looking to make it mandatory. There really is no reason not to, as far as I'm concerned. If you don't want to in the NHL, that's fair enough. But in international competition, I just think that's exactly the right way to go. Well, there we go. That is this podcast done and dusted. Thanks for listening. It's been not a fun putting this together as always. As I mentioned earlier, I've had so much enjoyment from watching hockey this past week. So it's been great to round it up tonight. I did do a live stream on Tuesday on the YouTube channel going through the really the ends of the Champions Hockey League ties. And that was a lot of fun. So I may look to do that again next Tuesday. Keep an eye out on the Twitter account at Hockey With Ice to see any updates on that and of course we will be back with the podcast next Monday I expect I will be recording that one with Champions Hockey League previews European competition roundups and plenty of news I'm sure from the NHL until then enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy your weekend thanks for listening I'll talk to you soon